Hey, it's Angie, and thanks so much for checking in on the podcast. It goes alongside uh, the breakfast radio show on Triple M Southwest, I suppose. And at the moment, the big thing that's happening is this thing that I'm trying to pull off. Basically, I got a challenge from Lila at Bunbury Drilling Company. Her and the lads have been listening to the show for a while and know that I love a challenge. So they said, why don't you see, given that you love scuba diving so much, if you can do the show from underwater? So that's how it started back in December. Fast forward and I've been jumping through so many hoops of the legal department and different sort of agencies and the engineering crew here and networking and trying to wrangle a way to do this. And I've got a big old update for you. So that's where we shall start today. And that's with Lisa Shreve from the Bustleton Jetty. And just all round absolute legend morning. Oh, thanks, Ange. Morning to you. So um, we haven't uh, caught up yet this year, but uh, we we have been sort of touching base at the end of last year about this mad plan that I sort of came up with with my friends at uh, Bunbury Drilling Company, Lila and her team, who challenged me to see if I could do the radio show from underwater. <laughs> well, I think other than me, you're the person who talks the fastest and the most. So I'd love <laughs> to see you be able to talk underwater. Now, the reason why I've got you on the show today is twofold. Um, First things first is when I got this challenge, I did a little bit of looking into it, and it turns out no one on the planet has ever attempted something quite this drastic. There's been similar attempts in pools and aquariums and in about five metres of water, um, but not not like a a ticketed scuba radio show. But you have, out of both of us, the most experience in broadcasting underwater because you had GWN's Chrissy Simich underwater doing a TV cross with you guys at the Bustleton Jetty. Yeah, that was pretty unique. She was in an underwater helmet. She was walking on the ocean floor and she put her mobile phone into the helmet and was able to do um, a feed through GWN, which was incredible. But yeah, any publicity we can get for Western Australia at the moment by doing some weird and crazy things, we're pretty much up for it, Ange. So good luck to you. (laughs) Amazing. Now, the publicity thing is interesting because what I did is I reached out to Guinness World Record. I mean, everybody knows Guinness. You get a lot of attention. It all goes off. Um, but they came back and they told me they wanted us to pay $10,000 to adjudicate this as a, as, as a world record. And I immediately went, no chance. I would much rather see that $10,000 go back into, um, the Southwest. So we've decided to turn it into a fundraiser and we're going to do five grand for the Dolphin Discovery Centre and five grand target for the Bustleton Jetty because I would rather the money go to you guys who do such an amazing job with not only um, being able to showcase our beautiful coastline and how unique it is, but do a lot of research into it as well, which I'm a big fan of. So thank you. And this is a little give back. Yeah, thank you, Ange. Um, we've got some amazing marine scientists here and we actually employed seven over the summer break to come and be tour guides and they're looking at coming back and doing their honours um, when they graduate. So um, there's a lot of work happening in the marine science field, um, including finding potentially a cure for cancer because a lot of the sponges and nudie banks have anti-cancer compounds, the antifungal um, compounds in some of the creatures and antibacterial compounds. So um, there's a lot of work happening in marine pharmacology and, and you know, hopefully we'll be able able to do something amazing like that or at least start that project rolling. And look, there's so many wonderful initiatives all over the world. You know, you had the big freeze to fight MND. You've got um, fun runs for breast cancer and like all sorts of different things and people get behind. 
But I haven't ever seen anybody sort of get behind a big marine conservation fundraiser. So maybe we could start something here. No, that would be great. I mean, the people don't understand that the ocean is so important to us um, in terms of, you know, how we breathe and we need to look after it. So anything that we can do to raise that awareness and or to help get funding to continue to fund the science that, you know, could potentially make a difference in so many people's lives is really welcomed. And, I mean, we've got our um, one of our marine scientists here, Sophie Teed, won a United Nations Award for being able to rehabilitate the piles under the jetty, which means that the sponges are cleaning the ocean and the soft corals are coming back. And, um, you know, that won an award because people said around the world it couldn't happen and she proved them wrong. Wow! I'm going to have to have her on the show. You will, you will. She's very clever, our folks. Oh, that's amazing. Uh, the other thing is, is I don't know if I need to get written official permission for this, but Lisa, on Friday afternoon, I'm at the stage where I need to test our technology. So we're planning Friday afternoon to come and uh, use the commercial dive equipment that we're going to be using for this stunt on Friday afternoon at the Bustleton Jetty to see if it's going to work. Is that okay with you guys? We might have to get like a flotilla of boats around you with some underwater GoPros or something to film the the test as well just to make sure that it's all above board and that could be very fun. Amazing. All right, let's do it. Lisa, thank you so much. (laughs) Fabulous Jan from the Dolphin Discovery Centre is joining me this morning. Hey, Jan. Good morning, Ange. Good morning, everyone. Now, the dolphins of Kambana Bay in the southwest here are some of the most fascinating dolphins on the planet, aren't they? They certainly are. We've got some really cool behaviours and all kinds of things going on with our dolphins. So I thought, uh, you know, summer's a very active time for them. It'd be great to get a little bit of an update because I've also got an update for you on something, but I want to hear all about our curious creatures first. Okay, well, there's a fair bit going on. It's um, not quite calving season, so when the water temperature reaches its peak in another few weeks, we might expect a few calves, but we had so many last year. We had 19 calves born last year, and the calves stay with mum for three or four years, so there won't be a lot of the girls that um, are free to calve this year because luckily they've nearly all got babies. Mm-hmm. Um, we've got a dolphin that get, keeps getting trapped in a little lagoon at the mouth of the Preston River just off to the western side there. Um, people keep putting um, a little rock causeway so that they can walk across to the other side but sadly when the tide's low our dolphins get stuck in there and we've got a dolphin called Tsunami, Calf of Wave, who often gets trapped in that area. So uh, she loves to fish in that lagoon. So, you know, we would ask people if they do put that little causeway, you know, little rock steps across, please remove them when they're finished because our dolphins have been getting stuck in there. Guys, you just Um, wouldn't even think of that. Like, you were just playing in the water. Like, you wouldn't even think about it. That's right. Exactly. So, you know, she goes, and it's a brilliant little fishing spot for her, particularly. And um, she just goes in there and and, uh, when the tide's high, and then if there's no rocks there, she can get out. But Mm. if people have put rocks across, she just gets stuck. And she was getting quite sunburnt by the time somebody noticed her last week because it's not deep enough for her to submerge. And so, um, yeah... But so that's just uh, you know something we're keeping an eye on. Um, there's all kinds. The behaviours we're seeing are just unbelievable. 
um, and we're getting a lot of really cool um, footage of those behaviours now that we've got access to drone technology and we've got the licence to operate our drone and monitor the dolphins. So really cool stuff going on. That is cool. If you're not following the Dolphin Discovery Centre on social media, then you really should because they do. They capture some amazing footage and they're always sharing some cool stuff. Uh, Jan, something that I wanted to talk to you about was um, this crack-brained idea that came from Bunbury Drilling Company, and that was to figure out how I could do my show from underwater. So I'm calling it Operation Scuba Show, right? Oh, that's crazy. That's a pretty <laughs> wild idea. But I'm not surprised coming from you and your <laughs> listeners. And so we're, we're making headway. And we're sort of at the stage now where we're really hitting the go button. I've done some training with an open, like with a full face mask that allows me to communicate, but I've only done that in a pool. I've heard from the Guinness World Records and whilst it would be a world record, they wanted $10,000 to make it official. And I just don't, I just don't think it's a... To get your, you know, your picture and a book and all the rest of it. But we still want to create a lot of noise about this. And so we're turning it into a fundraiser. And uh, I spoke to Lisa from the Bustleton Jetty yesterday. And we're doing five grand, hopefully, for the Bustleton Jetty and $5,000 for the Dolphin Centre. Oh, wow. That would be awesome for our environment fund. Yeah. And so what I thought would be great is before I start asking people for donations is to get a bit of an idea, um, you know, if they want to donate to the Dolphin Centre, where that money goes. Oh, look, we've got so many projects on the go. We've got our dolphins, of course. We do our dolphin monitoring uh, rescues if they need to be rescued. Um, we uh, have just got a lot of dolphin projects going. You know, our dolphin identification numbers up to um, over 700 since we've been identifying the dolphins. We've got our research boat that goes out and does the monitoring as well as doing all the observations from our tour vessels. Every vessel that goes out on the water um, is a research vessel basically because we have people out there do it, taking all the data. Um, so uh, that's, you know, the dolphin side of it is pretty immense. We're coming up with a new fin ID or we're trialling some new fin ID software because as you can imagine, uh, they, a lot of those fins look very similar. But apart from that, we've got a lot of things going on. We're currently doing a benthic mapping survey with a, a um, marine science student from Murdoch Uni and we're uh, mapping the floor of Kumbana Bay and seeing where sungra- uh, sungrass, <laughs> sea <laughs> seagrass is, uh, if there is any seagrass in the bay oh. and uh, because seagrass is so important to our whole marine environment. Well, um, Jan, yep. I mean, like that's just to start with. So we're definitely going to have to have you with. on the show again to, to continue Absolutely. the journey. Um, But thank you for this opportunity to sort of highlight you guys and the fab work you do. And, um, yeah, stay tuned for the test run on Friday. We're going to go to the Bustleton Jetty and see if we can actually do this with radio gear. Oh, wow. That'll be very exciting. We'll stay tuned for sure. Now, you've got a, uh, a plethora of buffets to choose from this week. From, well, I have. From prime I... ministers to tennis players to, yep. to panic shoppers, all sorts. So well, I'm excited you, to see where you go. You've covered them all, except there's also a, an AFL um, football coach who made a bad call about pride jumpers. But anyway, oh, that was a couple that of weeks was ago. so weird. I know. I, 
you know, to say that the club had done that S to death, you know, that um, was a little bit silly. Yeah. I don't know. On that one, I would say, but it's nice that that is, that is the standout, that it's not normal anymore not to do it. That's right. That You know, and yeah. then, of course, the club um, bunkered down and, you know, put the wings around him and, you know, it was public apologies and da-da-da. Um, but it was a silly comment in today's comment. But anyway, he is not the Buffett. Oh, who is? Uh, James Matheson. James Matheson. Yes. I haven't heard about James Matheson. Haven't a, you really? For a long, long time. And I exactly. saw this pop up recently. And I have a feeling that's why he did it, because these aging once were stars in 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 in, in uh, inverted commas well i was going to say know? just in case someone doesn't know james mathen used to host um australian idol with that's osher right. gunsberg that's right yes and unfortunately his star is wayne so uh, like a lot of people controversy seems to be the way to ignite their fame and fortune and, and in my opinion he made a silly call you know when ash barty and good on her won the Australian Women's Open, first women Australian in 44 years to do it. Alicia Mollick, um, because I don't know whether everyone knows, but backstory, Ash um, vowed that she wasn't going to have a beer until she won the Australian Open. And she come good and won the Australian Open. So um, Alicia Mollick in the interview, and this is after 9.30 at night, so it's MA15 plus for television um, viewers. Offered her a Corona and Ash took a sip of the beer, you know, as you do, just one, you know, mega amount of money and prestige and the national title and everything like it. So she took a big sip of beer. So James Matheson made it, you know, a point that, you know, it was um, promoting uh, alcohol in sport and blah, blah, blah. It was a silly call. And to me, he just done it just to try and promote himself. Um and he was called out on it, and he's had to apologise. But apology ain't enough, so here's a buffet of the week. All right. Devil's advocate. Yes. We do have a problem with alcohol in Australia. We have a problem with alcohol in the world, yeah. not just Australia. Yeah, fair, um, fair. But, but we can't – hang on, hang on, let me finish, yeah, let me finish. I'm just, I'm just poking the bear here. Please do. Um, Ash Barty is just a champion of champions. Um, exactly. I've never seen anybody called out for shaking champagne over their heads. I didn't see it happen when, you know, the cricketers won. Like, I've, I, it seems very strange to me. But is it is it a question to have? Or is the Buffhead, the reporter that actually brought his comments to the, to the forefront? Well, Because otherwise none of us would have seen that or heard about it. So why well, why are reporters taking tweets and turning them into stories still? Well, because it's all part of the process. They then become um, a little bit in the spotlight for doing it. I know. So we've got double buff heads this week. We've got James <laughs> Matheson and whoever dragged his lame tweet we, into the universe. If we go back through the whole story, we probably have got a rascal of buff heads who are able to use it again. In. <laughs> I have an absolutely 
fascinating guest for you. I'm speaking to her because there's only a couple of days left to nominate for this year's WA Women's Hall of Fame. And in fact, you've got to get your nominations in by Friday. Uh, She was 2015 WA Women's Hall of Fame inductee, but she has had a long, fascinating career as an international woman of mystery. Uh, Dr. Sue Boyd, hello. Hello. What what a lovely (laughs) lead-in. Well, you kind of are. I mean, you look at your uh, your you know work history. You're born in Calcutta. You speak seven languages. You migrated to Perth as a ten pound palm in 1966. You worked in New York um, around the nuclear stuff in the 80s when the states and Russia were at each other's throats. And here we are in 2022. And it'd be fabulous to hear what you have to say about that. You've got a book out. Um, there's all sorts that we need to discuss, but. Before we get to all of this, um, firstly, can you tell us about what it meant to you as a woman who has had a, a long-spanning, fabulously fascinating career to be a WA Women's Hall of Fame inductee? Oh, it was a great honour, of course, and it was <clears throat> wonderful to be recognised. Um, it, it was a good group of people that year being recognised. Um, a lot of people with um, different sort of uh, histories and different kind of service. Uh, mine's a bit unique. There aren't that many people in Perth who are retired diplomats and have had this sort of international career that I've had. Um, so yeah, it was it, it was fun. It was nice to meet those other people and to and to showcase what I'd done and to be and to be remembered for it. It was it's very uh, very warming, I have to say. Yeah, and I think anyone needs that opportunity in their life, especially at the moment with everything going on. So if you know a woman in the Southwest who's done some um, outstanding work for her community um, in her career, in business, in volunteering, then please make sure you nominate and you've only got a couple of days left. Um, Congratulations on your recently published book. It's called Not Always Diplomatic. And the fact that you were a diplomat, I think is makes that title so fantastic. Can you tell us a little bit about it? Well, that's exactly right, because um, I was a diplomat. I was for 34 years. I was in the Australian Foreign Service, and I served uh, in a lot of countries overseas, some of which you've already already mentioned, and uh, a range of uh, challenges facing us uh, and different political situations. And uh, I mean, I was in Fiji during the spate coup and helped get Fiji back to constitutional democracy. So, you know, there's all sorts of interesting things um, one one can do in my career. But what I, the point about the book is that you don't always have to go down the straight and obvious path to achieve your objectives. You know, you, there are, sometimes you have to go sideways, you have to uh, use unorthodox methods, you, uh, you have to talk to people that uh, you might not necessarily be directly involved but can have an influence on the situation. And so you don't always have to be, as I say, absolutely diplomatic. And in my career, people... People who know me say it's a good title because I'm also a straight shooter. I I say it as it is. I don't beat around the bush. I don't have any time for political correctness, you know. So um, part of my, uh, if you like, my my arms, my uh, my weapons uh, has been that uh, knack of speaking out and speaking directly. Oh, I really love that. I'm going to have to get a copy of this one. Something that I would love to ask you is uh, just sort of going back to the 80s and you were working um, in the space of nuclear when, like I said, the states of Russia were at each other. And um, 
it was a very real threat of nuclear war. And fast forward, 2022, uh, Russia's in our headlines a lot, uh, mobilising. <laughs> how do you, how, how do you feel about this? Because um, you're the only person that I've ever spoken to that could have a, a sensible answer into this. Well, the point is, it, it is in no one's interest to go to war in this current situation. And both sides declare that and say that. What, what Russia is feeling, I think, is a bit cramped. It feels that the, the West, the capital West, is encroaching quite close to it, and it doesn't feel comfortable in that. Uh, and so the idea that the, that the Ukraine, which always has got a, a sort of interesting history vis-a-vis Russia, um, that should be in a situation where it might formally form an alliance uh, with the Western alliance, which is NATO, is clearly worrying for it. And I suspect that uh, Putin's in a difficult political situation domestically, and this is a handy, a handy weapon to use. So I think it's a very tricky situation. But the beauty about it is, is the diplomats are talking, ministers are talking, this conversation is going on, exploring ways of, of resolving this dispute uh, in hand. And I think that's that's the that's the, the the thing about diplomacy. It is about talking. It is about understanding the other side. It is about finding a way through. You know, it's not about um, just hitting each other because that doesn't achieve anything. Yeah, well, that's like an amazing insight. So thank you for that. It was also very concise in a very complicated matter. Um, well, that's right. <laughs> quite brilliant. Yeah. Um, something else that I definitely wanted to ask you is um, – so you ended up having to have bodyguards in Fiji, as you mentioned. It was going I did, through a coup, yeah. but you didn't have to have them in East Germany, even though that was East Germany when there was a wall and a very big divide and some very interesting politics around. Yes, well, that's right. Well, it was it was a difficult, different situation. It wasn't war. I mean, the Cold War was on. Yes, absolutely. But in East Germany, life goes went on. You know, it was a society that it was living with families and kids that went to school and people who had jobs and uh, and they they had a different way of going about it from the way we did in the West. But it was interesting to work out how that worked and why they lived like that. I made very good friends amongst East Germans. I never had any sense of of danger. Um, you know, we weren't uh, under direct threat at any stage. Um, there was interesting things about, I mean, the Stasi, which is the secret intelligence organization, was watching us very closely and recording everything we did to make sure we weren't about to foment war or foment dis- dissent. Um, they were very worried about what Western diplomats might be doing. But it was, it was done in that sort of way. It wasn't um, an overt threat. Well, like I said, absolutely fascinating life. So if people want to know more about it, it's called Not Always Diplomatic. Um, <laughs> this is definitely off the wall. But, you know, considering we're in West Australia, people sometimes refer to us as wait a while. Um, people have called us Fortress WA in the last couple of years. Every single time something like this happens in Australia's history, there's always talk of uh, separating from the rest of Australia. Can you explain why that would never happen, if that's indeed what you think? (laughs) Well, no, but there's a great history to this. And there's a sense of separation and there's distance and the relative size and so on. So, you know, this has happened over over the years. At the moment, it's it's frankly a bit of a pain. Um, personally, I hope I hope that the borders are lifted soon and life can go on directly. Um, it's 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 interesting that some of our largest businesses have declared that they can't do business here in these circumstances and are moving their management teams to Melbourne. I think that's got to be a worry for everybody because 
life has to go on and there has to be a time when a decision is made where we just get on with it and we just manage, given the way the rest of the world is, you know. Well, I could speak to you, I think, for hours, um, but I'll read your book instead. Doctor, thank you so much for your time and uh, thank you for your advocacy on getting people to nominate for the WA Women's Hall of Fame. Yes, I please do urge people, particularly that, you know, women are, are very backwards about coming forwards. We're, we're overly modest about our achievements. And one needs to winkle out those women who are being quiet in the background but are achieving huge things. They're the ones we need to nominate. If you found that chat fascinating with Dr. Sue Boyd, then please definitely think about someone that you could nominate for the WA Women's Hall of Fame. It's really wonderful to give some accolades, like she said, to to women who don't go seeking them. And there's a lot of them in our Southwest community. So if you would like more information on that, head over to wawomenshalloffame.com.au and the categories to nominate are education, STEM, health, community, art, sport, culture and business. In the meantime, I've got some more work to do on my Operation Radio Scuba. I'll catch you next time. You're sensational. I'm Angie. Angie for breakfast.